listening to Success Unwrapped with Heather Vail. Welcome to Success Unwrapped with Heather Vale, the weekly radio talk show where we unwrap and reveal the secrets that successful people use, and you can too. Available at successunwrappedradio.com. This podcast is sponsored by GoToMeeting at gotomeeting.com. These days, whether you're in business or simply want to share something with friends and family, email and voicemail sometimes just aren't enough. That's why you should try GoToMeeting, an online meeting solution that will revolutionize how you communicate with your business associates, family, and friends. GoToMeeting makes it easy to provide training and share information. All you need is a PC, an internet connection, and a phone. You invite people to meet you online. They see your computer screen on their monitor. And best of all, you can meet as long as you want, as often as you need, for one flat rate. Try it yourself for free for 45 days. No credit card is required. Just go to gotomeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and type in the promo code PODCAST. That's gotomeeting.com, Try It Free button, promo code PODCAST. Try GoToMeeting free today. My special guest this week is Fred Tutwiler, speaker, trainer, reality coach, and author. Fred designed the warrior model of consulting and has been working with people, companies, and athletic teams since 1998 to help them increase their positive results. Fred is the author of Breaking Your Mega Ginormous Rules, The Invisible Rules You Live By, Why They Keep You Stuck, and What You Can Do About It, and... Why do we keep doing the same thing over and over, even when we don't like the result we get? He has also written articles for publications and websites and is a contributing author to the best-selling book, Wake Up and Live the Life You Love. Fred, thank you so much for being here today. Well, you're very welcome, Heather. Thanks for having me. First of all, could you tell us exactly what a reality coach is? Well, a uh, reality coach, and, and as far as I know, I'm the only one. So I, I can only tell you what I do, and that, that probably defines what reality coaches in general do. But my particular – 99 and 44, 100% of the time, we're dealing with our interpretation of reality, and it gets really deeply entrenched. And that actually is the biggest thing that we have to overcome if we really want to produce great results. Okay, so how does reality actually differ from our interpretation of it? A good, a really great example, in fact, is a piece that uh, Socrates wrote years and years ago. Actually, excuse me, it was Plato. It's called The Allegory of the Cave. And if you imagine that you were sitting in a cave and you were, like, facing the back wall of the cave, and behind you there was a big fire burning, and you were chained to sit there, and you couldn't turn around, and you had to spend your whole life just staring at the back wall of the cave. He was the shadow. And so if that was your whole view of everything, then you would come to interpretations and conclusions and assumptions about what the universe was like and what the world was like based on the shadow that you see up on the wall, right? So the question is, is the shadow real? And the answer is yes, the shadow is real, but is it reality? And the answer is no, it's not reality. It's a copy of reality and not a very good one at that. And so... Pretty much everything that we conclude about how life works, and when I say everything, I mean 
like everything that we conclude about how life works, is really like a shadow on the wall of the cave. And that is a particular view of reality, a particular perception of reality, which is usually distinctly different from what reality actually is. So how do we turn around and see the real reality behind us instead of the reflection on the wall? Now, that is actually the only question worth asking. <laughs> I mean, oh, I know we're going to ask a lot of others, but that really is the only question worth asking. How do you get up off your butt and actually turn around and see what's happening behind you in front of that fire? And it's like, it's like if someone were to tell you that you could fly and they took you up to the top of the tallest building. And no matter what that person were to say to you, it would be I mean, almost impossible for you to actually step off that building, wouldn't it? Yeah. And now, why would it be impossible for you to step off that building? Because you don't believe that you can fly. It's, it's more than that. You actually know you can. Right. You know, like you, you know that if you were to step off that building that you're going to fall. You know that with absolute positive certainty. And... The reality that we have come to know about ourselves and about, about everything around us, about our relationships and about what we're good at and what we're not good at and about how people feel about us and what constitutes success, that reality is every bit as deeply entrenched in us as the knowing that if we step off the building, we're going to fall. So it's not an easy thing to let go and actually take that step. And that is, in fact, the whole challenge of the work that I do when I'm, when I'm working with people. Is that knowledge of what we can't do reality, or is that our perception of reality? It's your perception of reality. It's all your perception of reality. And in, in my book, uh, Breaking Your Megaginomous Rules, I actually kind of walk people in a, in a relatively elementary but a pretty straightforward way about how you arrive at the particular perception of reality that you have. And whatever, whatever it is, whatever your particular view of it is, it, it really does live for you like that is the only possible reality that could be there. And it's really interesting, Heather, because have you ever known somebody that you think, for example, is a really good writer or a really good speaker or has a really good voice or something like that, and you'll tell them that, but they just won't believe you? Yes, you have, haven't you? All the time. And all the time, yeah. And, and so you, you could actually see it, and everybody around that person could actually see it. And yet that person, if they don't see it, then it doesn't exist for them as, as being reality. In fact, one of the things that I, I have a, a series of interviews that I go through with a person before I'll actually begin working with them as their reality coach, and one of the things that I've really got to get when I talk to somebody is that they're willing to challenge that within themselves. Because... If a person is simply not willing to even entertain the idea that they could write or that they could be an extraordinary athlete or that they could make a million dollars, then there's no point in my talking to them because they will not do the things that I need for them to do and that they have to do in order to get up off the bench and turn around and look at the fire. Yeah. So the perception, the reality we create for ourselves, which is actually the perception can be self-sabotaging and hold us back from what we're really capable of. So how do we get beyond that? How do we find the true reality and what actually is? Well, the answer to that is complicated by the fact that the reality that we 
that we live inside of is a double-edged sword because it does indeed sabotage us, but it also works really, really well in a lot of cases. The very things that give us happiness and that allow us to achieve and accomplish and feel good about ourselves, that's part of our reality also. The things that make us wonderful people, the things that allow us to help others, you know, to contribute to others, that's all part of our reality. So it's not like our reality is a bad thing or that we have to change the whole of it. It's just that our reality consists of everything that we know about ourselves, both the wonderful stuff and the limiting stuff. And so it's harder for us to challenge something when it works. You know, Henry David Thoreau has this great quote, had this great quote, and he said that the world is full of people living lives of quiet desperation, preferring the certainty of their misery to the misery of uncertainty. And as human beings, we are addicted to certainty. We're addicted to knowing what's going to happen next. And just think about that. What is the perfect day for most people when they wake up in the morning? The perfect day. Well, you could say it's like going to get out of bed and they get up on time and they feel good in the morning and there's no problems getting the kids off to school and, and you know, there's no traffic on the way to work and they find the perfect the perfect parking place and they go into work and there's no particular big challenges. You know, nobody gets on their case. Nobody has any drama going on. And they finish up work and they don't run into any particular problems getting home. They even get home a little early and the kids get their homework done and dinner's done and boom, there you are sitting in front of the TV watching your favorite show. And it's like, oh my God, this was a great day. Because everything went exactly according to plan. Everything went <laughs> exactly like it was supposed to go. There was nothing out of the ordinary that happened. We've trained ourselves to believe that that is good. And we will hold on to that kind of certainty, even in the cases where we don't like the results that we're getting. I think I answered your question, but I'm not sure. Well, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that description of that day sounds kind of boring to me. <laughs> And, and it does to a lot of people, but you and I both have our own versions of that. Like, do you know what you're going to be doing for your vacation next year? Or do you know what you're going to be doing for Christmas this year? It's like we, we put a lot of premium on planning things out and knowing what's going to happen down the road. Yeah, I hate planning. <laughs> <laughs> it might then be easier for you to get up off that stone bench and turn around and look at the fire. But you would absolutely be one of the minority in that group. And, and you know, we've, been, we've, we've literally been trained from the time we were two or three years old to really be addicted to that certainty. We, we crave to know what, what is going to happen, what to expect, how are people going to treat us, what we can count on, how if you do this, this is what's going to happen. I mean, from the first time you get into a classroom, you know, in kindergarten, your education begins to train you to follow a script of how you're supposed to do things and, and what the right thing to do is. And you go through that whole process, you know, for, for, you know, 12, 13, 15 years of your life. And by the time you get out of high school or by the time you get out of college, you are deeply entrenched in that mindset that knowing what's going to happen next is a very, very high-value way to live your life. And it's, it's a part of us just as much as our hair color and our eye color is a part of us. Sounds like getting trapped in a comfort zone and not wanting to go anywhere from it. If it was just that simple, it'd be easier to understand. But 
one of the, for example, one of the organizations that I that I support is Interact, which uh, is uh, domestic violence and domestic abuse. And you've probably heard about this, how there's something like 70% of all of the violent deaths that occur in the, in the case of domestic abuse, those people that were victims, they were in that situation long enough to know that their lives were in danger or that there was something really wrong and they didn't get out of it. Yeah. Now, why do people stay in a situation that they're absolutely certain is a bad situation for them? Well, you might say, well, they're scared, and, and certainly they are, but there's some hope or some belief that, okay, I know what I've got here, and somehow I can make this turn around or I can hope this will turn around. You see exactly the same thing with why do people have so much trouble losing weight? Why do people have so much trouble saving money? They know what there is to do. You know, they know what there is to do. There's this thing called the knowing-doing gap. They know what there is to do. Why don't they do it? It's because they crave the certainty of what they've got more than they crave the freedom or whatever they would get if they were to change their way of doing things because it is so uncertain. But isn't it also the law of attraction at work? So if they're constantly saying, I attract people who abuse me or I'm always broke, then that's the reality they're going to have. Absolutely. Absolutely. But how many people have you spoken to about the law of attraction in your life? Well, probably me more than most because a lot of my guests do oh, talk about it. And oh. I mean, obviously, then I start attracting the people who do talk about it. So. And many of the people that you speak to about it, because I, you know, the movie, you know, the movie, of course, The Secret. Yeah. I, I have that movie. I watch it a lot. I recommend it to people. Sometimes I'll even have a group of people, you know, sit down and we watch it together and talk about it. And if you were to just do, follow those simple steps, there's no telling what would actually happen. But do you know, I did a test once with 12 people that had seen that movie. And do you know that the longest anyone actually stuck with that manifestation process was 12 days? That's the longest anyone is stuck with it. Wow. Most of them did it for like two or three. 12 days was the max. And this guy was like totally pumped about it. And after 12 days, the other parts of his life just got in the way or whatever, you know, the routines that he's created, whatever it is, that whole mask of certainty, it just took over. And even he stopped doing it, and he was beginning to have the experience of things shifting in his life after only 12 days. So if we could, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. We are attracting all of this negative energy, and we are attracting all of this sadness or whatever it is. We are attracting it. And if we, if we could somehow get ourselves to stop having the conversations we're having, we would be able to turn it around. So I don't have any problem with that at all. I love that movie. But the problem precedes that. It's like we, what, what conversations do we need to have with ourselves first so we can start having the ones that will actually make a difference. And that's actually where reality comes in because there's a reality that people live inside of. You know, you can, ha you can have these positive affirmations every day about you're going to bring in money or you're going to lose weight or you're going to find the love of your life or something. But the reality that you live inside of, for the most part, if it's telling you that that's all a bunch of bull then you will stop doing that after a while. It's just, it's almost inevitable. Yeah, that's why a lot of law of attraction experts don't talk about affirmations because, you know, quite often the ego will override and say, no, you're not, no, you can't. And that's actually what takes over instead of the positive affirmation. Yeah. And, you know, the, the whole process of, of law of attraction and even positive thinking, which I think can be very beneficial, 
and the affirmations, which I think will be beneficial. Those are the things that happen. It's like there's a step that has to happen before those things happen, if those things are actually going to make any difference. Because there's an understanding of who we are and what we are as an individual, that if we don't have that understanding of ourselves, if we don't, if we don't really have the courage and the willingness to know the truth about ourselves, then those other things just simply, they have very little chance of working. They may work, but they have very little chance of working simply because we're not going to give them a chance. And so the first part, and this is where the reality part of being a reality coach comes from, the first part is I've got to be able to get people to drop their mask and drop their facade and drop their pretenses about themselves and really see who they are and what they're committed to, and what their life is, or that they are actually the designer of it exactly the way that it is. And that's a hard thing for people to grasp. It makes sense when you talk about it, you know, intellectually. But it's a really hard thing for people to grasp, and that's the really hard part about the kind of coaching that I do. So once we're aware that we're doing something to sabotage ourselves, like the guy who was all pumped up and then just dropped it, even after he had started to see results. I mean, obviously, he was aware that he wasn't continuing with the manifestation process. After that awareness, what do we do next in order to actually change that reality into something better? Well, the first thing that you have to do, and this sounds, this will sound so simple, it will almost seem, you know, weird, but the first thing you have to do is you have got to be able to get in touch with what is your purpose for being alive and being on this planet. You have really got to discover for yourself a purpose for you being on this planet. I have a, a kind of a gradient that I use when I'm talking to people. It's like, you know, a, a purpose gradient. And how I characterize it is that the unaware, people that are unaware are basically polluters on the planet. You know, whatever else they do in terms of contributing to society or, you know, being good employees or whatever, that notwithstanding, that people that are unaware are basically polluters. They take up space, they use up the air, they defecate and make garbage and things like that. But as far as really furthering the quality of life on the planet, they're, they're, they do nothing for that or else they're even detrimental. So that's the first position. The second position on this gradient is someone who becomes aware, someone who wakes up. They're not quite at the point where they're going to do anything about it, but they actually become aware that they are a polluter. The third step or the third phase of this is someone who becomes a student, where they begin to really inquire into what is it that they're here on this planet to do. And then the final is that they become a teacher or perhaps even an avatar. So we do have to become aware, but once we become aware, it's kind of like, so you know that it's bad for you to smoke. You know that it's bad for you to eat, you know, potato chips every night. You know that it's bad for you to hang out with certain people. And you you know this and you know this and people say, but, oh, why do you keep doing this? They say, I know. It's just, but so that you're actually aware at that point that you're doing something that's counterproductive. So it's, it's essential that we become aware of what we're doing and what the cost of what we're doing is. But until we can actually create a big enough reason to stop doing it, we won't stop doing it, even if we know that it's not in our best interest. You know, Aristotle had this thing about, the, there was a Greek word called eudaimonia, which is like, you know, the, the state of flourishing as a human being, like the purpose of human beings was to achieve some state of flourishing. And 
many of the Greek philosophers, and even some of the early, before Greek philosophers, were wondering about what does it mean to flourish? Like, what does it mean for a human being to flourish? And one of the examples that Aristotle would use is like, you look at an acorn, and an acorn has a purpose, which is to become an oak tree. And, you know, if you imagine the perfect oak tree, like, you know, strong and huge and big, and it lasts for centuries, and squirrels live in it, and provide shade and all of that, you know, that that is the acorn flourishing and achieving its purpose. And Aristotle suggested that there is something for each and every individual person that is a unique fulfillment of our being here on this planet, like the acorn's fulfillment is to become an oak tree. And he suggested over and over again in his writings that it didn't matter whether you ever determined for sure what that was or not, but the greatest virtue of a human being was to be pursuing that. You know, it's like be wondering about it and, and, and trying to identify what that was for yourself. And the, the bottom line is that until we, in, until we engage in that conversation with ourselves, all we'll do is make slight improvements. We won't actually transform anything. And so we have to really identify what is the point of it all. If we don't identify what the point of it all is, we'll just continue to take the path of least resistance. You can visit Fred's website at awakenyourwarrior.com. And I hope you've enjoyed the first segment of our interview. But it's not over. There's a full 200% more than what you just heard where we delve deeper into these success principles. To unwrap the full interview and get lots more tools for success, just sign up to become a Success Unwrapped member on any level you choose at successunwrapped.com slash members. This has been Success Unwrapped with Heather Vale. Be sure to tune in to the next edition of Success Unwrapped, helping you to unwrap and discover your own potential for success. Until next time, keep unwrapping. I'm Heather Vale. This podcast is part of the Blueberry Network at Blueberry.com. That's spelled B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com.